Welcome to the Stefan Levera podcast, focused on Bitcoin and Austrian economics. Learn the technology and economics of Bitcoin by listening in to interviews with the best and brightest. It's a very special episode today with Jack Dorsey, CEO of Twitter and Square, and also Elizabeth Stark, CEO of Lightning Labs. I've been very impressed with Jack's commentary on Bitcoin as potentially the native currency of the internet, and the way he's been managing Square and one of Square's products in particular, the Cash App, which allows for Bitcoin purchases and sales. The Cash App has been quite successful on the App Store charts, hitting number one. Elizabeth Stark is the CEO of Lightning Labs, one of the all-star teams building the Lightning Network. Their brilliant team has consistently been making major contributions to the Lightning Network as a protocol and also developing and shipping incredible products such as LND and associated software. It's a must-listen interview, so make sure to share it wide. Here's the interview. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the show, Jack and Elizabeth. Hey. Thanks for having us. So let's start with you, Jack. I've been really impressed by your commentary, and I'd love to hear more about how you came to understand Bitcoin. So can you tell us your journey from first hearing of it to now believing that it could someday be the native currency of the internet? Well, um, I, you know, I've been fascinated by the internet for a long time, probably since I was 11 in St. Louis, Missouri. And uh, St. Louis, Missouri has a, a, had a pretty active uh, hacker culture. And we had the great fortune of um, having uh, Wash U uh, in the city that was also directly connected to the backbone of the internet, internet pretty early on. A lot of the early BBSs um, uh, connected directly to that so I could access things like IRC and Usenet. And Usenet is where I discovered alt cypherpunks. And that led me to a lot of um, reading on cryptography. And it was just something I didn't fully understand, but really appreciated. And obviously, on alt-sec for punks, there was a, a lot of discussion around digital currency, around cryptocurrency, the role of cryptography. Um, I didn't get too deep into it in the sense that I um, implemented anything or, or, or played with a lot of the ideas, but it was a, it was a fascination. Um, I had heard of Bitcoin uh, when it when it started, um, and, uh, and and just when the white paper was released, looked at the white paper, thought it was pretty amazing, simple, beautiful. We were just getting started with Square at that time, and uh, it wasn't until 2014 that one of our engineers decided that they wanted to uh, enable Square merchants online to accept Bitcoin. And we, we made this very simple um, uh, feature that allowed anyone on our online store uh, to pay using Bitcoin without the seller having to be aware of it. So anyone can come up and go to a bike store online and uh, pay through Bitcoin. And we would automatically translate it in the back end uh, to US dollar. And uh, it was cool. We, we wrote a blog post about it. Um, we, we weren't connected directly to the blockchain. We used a, a few APIs and we didn't see many transactions. We just didn't see much activity. It, uh, you know, the people using Bitcoin at the time weren't buying the things that our merchants were, were selling per se. And then um, in, I guess, two years ago, we had a hack week for the cash team and uh, I found one of our engineers, Mike Brock, and I suggested that we work together on it. He did the majority of the work, but I suggested that we try something really simple, which is we have this um, this ability to add a cash card, a, a Visa card to Apple Pay. And we wanted within by the end of the week to be able to store Bitcoin and then actually use my phone at Blue Bottle Coffee across the street buy a cappuccino with Bitcoin and have it automatically translate to US dollar for the seller without them having to consider it. And we almost hit that goal. It didn't really work until the following Monday, but it felt really good and really cool. And that, that gave us a lot of conviction and also desire to, um, in, in this case, we were connecting like directly to the blockchain. We are learning a ton about how it worked. And it just gave us a lot of conviction around we should do something here and throughout the year kept evolving it into a buy and sell platform realized 
our role and responsibility in terms of educating people around it as well, because a lot of people would probably be new to it. And this was, you know, during um, the, the huge run-up as well. So we released it at the end of the year. Uh, and uh, I think it, it's one of the simplest ways to, um, to, to feel Bitcoin and to participate and get a sense of what it is and, and what it could become. And ever since then, uh, you know, we've just been continuing to, to push and educate ourselves and learn, but also you know, attempting to be uh, leads in the financial technology space. I think we were one of the first public companies to have a Bitcoin offering and one of the first to talk to the SEC about what that meant. Um, and uh, yeah, so we're, we're, you know, we continue to pull the thread and pretty excited to see where it goes. But um, ultimately, we don't believe it stops at just buying and selling. We, we do want to help make happen the currency aspect and help in the internet get, internet get to a, a native global currency. Fascinating. I was particularly impressed that you were quite early to being involved or at least following the material on, of the cypherpunks. Is that what also gave you some understanding around Bitcoin's principles and resilience? Um, the, um, I mean, I had a lot of the background context in terms of what one, what people wanted to see and some of the principles that people were driving with um, the ideas around cryptocurrency. But I mean, the white paper really laid it all out. And I, I just think it's one of the most seminal works in computer science in the past few decades. And, um, you know, I, I think it's beautifully written. I think it um, is very principled, has a strong point of view. And I love that it was put out there through and through pseudonymity, which just feels very internet to me. It, the whole thing just feels very native to internet ideals. Um, and that appealed to me a lot. Like this thing that was, you know, ideated on the internet and then created on the internet, released to it and continues to be developed throughout it has been amazing. But I, the resilience comes from the fact that, you know, early on it had a fairly negative lens on top of it just because of how people were using it, but it persisted through that. And it also persisted through multiple forks and questions and scalability issues. And, and certainly none of those are, are complete, but it it really speaks to something that I think inherently has a, a natural resilience to it. And, and I think the the brand strength, the brand of, of Bitcoin is just um, really spectacular. And I think it, it enables some more of that resilience. It, it, is, a, it is a mainstream, well-known, quote-unquote, household concept. Not everyone really knows what it might be for or may have different perspectives on what it, what it does. But um, it's known that it's digital currency, digital money, digital asset. And like, even when I go back to St. Louis, and this was years ago, the brand recognition is so strong and awareness is so strong that people would ask me about it as soon as I would tell them I was in technology. So I think it has a lot going for it in terms of lasting power and, and, uh, and ensuring that in, it endures. An excellent answer, Jack. I'm also interested to know why you focus so much, particularly on Bitcoin and not necessarily some of the other projects in the space? Um, most of it is, is just due to the, the principles that created it, the community around it, um, the, um, the, the ideals that it, that it fosters, you know, the, the brand. But it's also, I mean, there's an element of practicality to it as well. Um, I, I, you know, the, focusing on, on this and helping in whatever way we can uh, with the community and helping to make it happen just can really focus our resources and our attention. I, you know, I, I think there's interesting ideas uh, elsewhere, um, but I think those ideas can be integrated to Bitcoin if, if they have a merit um, that, that, you know, is above some bar. And it, it feels like it's the one that, that wants to be the currency the most versus others that are doing more general purpose things or, um, distributed computing and whatnot. So I, I think it spawned a lot of really amazing ideas, but I'm focused on the currency aspect and focused on the transactional aspect and what what that enables. 
That's that's excellent. I'm really I like the insights that you give there around that Bitcoin wants to be a currency the most, and uh, the, around the transactional component as well. I think on that transactional component, let's bring you in, Elizabeth. Obviously, the, the Lightning Network it enables so many new possibilities with Bitcoin, such as incredibly low fees, extremely fast payments, improved customer experience. It can enable entirely new business models. Why are people so excited about the Lightning Network now? Well, yeah, it's actually been amazing to see everything pan out. Um, actually, when I first met Jack, it was uh, summer of 2017. And we had a mutual friend uh, that connected us. And my co-founder, Lalo, aka Roast Beef, and I uh, went into the Square office. And I remember we were whiteboarding and like meeting with the team and talking about the, the cool things that Square was working on. And even in 2017, you know, we had had a release of our LND software for testnet. But it wasn't yet out for real Bitcoin. So it was still, you know, mostly just something that was being tested and it wasn't yet like out into the world. Um, So what we've seen over the past year has been um, March 15th of 2018, our company Lightning Labs released the beta version of our LND software. Uh, There are other betas that followed of other implementations. And it was really the year where Lightning became real. Um, You know, people started spinning up nodes. They started building on top of it. Um, it was also funny that prior to um, the beta releases, people were using uh, Lightning, even though at least for our implementation, we said, guys, it's not ready yet. And they said, we don't care. We're going to like modify the code, recompile it. You know, it's Bitcoin. Can't tell people what to do. Um, <laughs> I think there have been a few factors lately that have really contributed to it. Um, the first is just the evolution of the infrastructure. So in March, things were still pretty early. Getting you know, the implementations out in beta meant a lot of us could do testing. Uh, we have this super dedicated community. I mean, so we have a Slack community, LND a developer and tester Slack, where people are testing every day and they're so passionate. And for them, this is, it's, you know, it's a, it's a hobby and it's a way of life. Um, I, I really think we're building a movement here. So we've seen the infrastructure uh, build out such that, you know, we've been able to find bugs, we've been able to add improvements, add more features. Uh, we've also seen the developer community grow dramatically which I think is a big part of this. There were these really cool lightning hack days and they're still happening. There was one in New York a few months ago. There have been several in Berlin and there are quite a lot of them popping up. There was one in Seoul. And so people are coming together. They're building on top of lightning. Um, And one thing that I think is really key is lots of people are using it as well. And that gets into everything that happened with the torch. So we're seeing kind of the evolution of developers, the infrastructure. And then third, I think the quote unquote bear market, you know, has, you know, for us, I don't actually think it's really a bear market. When we started the company, the price of Bitcoin was $200, so it's quite a bit higher today. But it's brought us back to fundamentals, as opposed to you know, all the hype and the hysteria and frenzy when you, the price is just skyrocketing. I think the focus on building and, and building out you know, real infrastructure and solving real problems for real users is, is very healthy. So I think that's actually helped contribute to the uptake in uh, lightning adoption and, and what everyone's building and just what people are, are doing. Excellent. And I think on that theme of solving real problems for real users, we've seen just an amazing array of new concepts and models for business come up. Can you talk to us a little bit about some of the, you know, perhaps some of the new concepts that have come up in terms of um, businesses or uh, services on online that can be paid for with Lightning. So uh, one of our uh, team members, Alex Bosworth, who's an awesome Lightning developer, has actually uh, has awesome tweets. By the way, follow him on Twitter. But he's been tweeting a lot about the emerging Lightning economy. Um, there, there's also Nick Badia, who's been doing great work as well in terms of writing about the financial and the economic aspects of Lightning and, and how uh, the time value of money and the time value of Bitcoin matters on Lightning. So we've actually seen this new economy develop with where there are a whole host of sites that only accept Lightning. So Bitcoin via Lightning, obviously. And in many cases, there were things that we hadn't even imagined or thought of. For example, uh, recently somebody made a science fiction novel where you can pay per page. So if you don't like the book, well, you can just stop paying. (laughs) You can keep paying per page. We saw some cool examples of Lightning on Twitch. Um, People said, oh, did Twitch integrate Lightning? Turned out they didn't need to because much like we were doing on Twitter, you can just send Lightning invoices in Twitch. Um, we also saw people uh, using a Unity plugin in, in games where you can open this door. Um, there's a cool QR code and there's instant inter-game interaction with Lightning. So I think we're seeing the start of this new economy of these use cases that weren't previously possible. Today, if you want to send like five cents on the internet you know, with the existing payment systems and do so instantly and globally, that's just not going to work, right? So I think what Jack was getting to with the idea of Bitcoin 
being this digital money, being transactional, the goal with Lightning is really building this layer for programmable money where anybody can build it on top of it around the world. Fantastic. I love that idea of being able to pay instantly and globally. Let's talk now about the Lightning Network Trust Chain, also known as the Lightning Torch. I think that's a fascinating example. So perhaps, Elizabeth, you can just tell us a little bit about what it is and how it got started. Yeah. So one of the cool things about Lightning lately is that, you know, people are tweeting how much fun it is. You know, we're bringing the fun back to money and also that it's kind of making money a meme. So this is an example of that. So uh, some members of the community were um, getting excited about sending funds on Lightning. And I know they were using this site called Tippin.me. And then they were also, I believe, a community member uh, going by the name of Hudlonot. He's Norwegian. Um, getting back, Jack, to the whole internet thing. Uh, he has a space cat and an astronaut suit as his Twitter uh, image and has a taco in his Twitter name, which I think is like exactly the kind of internet thing we need. Um, started this whole, just started sending people money with Lightning and then people started sending along and adding some Satoshis and adding some Satoshis. Uh, one key point with Lightning as well is people like to nominate in Satoshis. It makes it a lot more fun. Um, so, you know, like one sat is four thousands of a cent or something. So they're doing so in Satoshis. And, and we were kind of watching, you know, from, from my team, we were like, oh, this is interesting. Like money is going viral and they're just passing it along like this Olympic torch. And then it's all of a sudden it started being sent to all these different places around the world. At one point, we thought somebody had exit scammed, quote unquote. We thought somebody had taken the money. And actually, it was more like a social experiment to see how people would react. And then, because anybody at any point could have just taken the money. Yeah, Jack, I would love to hear. I actually don't know exactly how you uh, found this whole thing. So I'd love to hear your story from there. Yeah. Um, so I was made aware of it from a, from a member of our, our Cash App team. Um, his name is Miles. And uh we, you know, we talk a lot about um, the space in crypto and he, uh, you know, he, he makes me aware of a bunch of the trends that I might have missed and just have, um, you know, conversations about it. And he, he brought this up and, uh, and forwarded the tweet that was actually passing the, the torch to me. So someone did mention me um, as, a, as a recipient of the torch. Um, I looked into it. I thought it was just really cool. It was, um, you know, it's Bitcoin Twitter at, at its best and uh, I wanted to participate. So our, our cash team has uh, lightning nodes running. So I worked with uh, Miles and them to request a torch and then, um, and then also, you know, just spread more awareness of, of this movement on Twitter and um, ultimately decided to pass it over to Elizabeth. And that was awesome, by the way. People thought like, oh, was it pre-planned or something? I had no idea, like, you know, when I woke up that morning that you were going to do this. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going yeah. around to more and more people. And in one uh, instance, it's actually gone. So Samson Mao had the torch and he requested that somebody send a Lightning Network invoice via the Blockstream satellite messaging service. So Pavel Rusnak, the CTO of Satoshi Labs, carried this out. So the Lightning Torch has now gone through, through different countries and the message has been trans literally transmitted from out of this world. And also William Shatner uh, tweeted wow, about it awesome. as well. So, Jack, do you have any ideas on who might be a good person to send the lightning torch to next? Perhaps someone like Elon Musk? <laughs> that's, what, um, that's what everyone's been suggesting. Um, I, I, uh, I, I think it'd be, he's definitely had uh, you know, somewhat of a contentious relationship with, with crypto, specifically Ethereum, though, at least on Twitter. He, I believe Elon once tweeted a, a Twitter uh, anime, or sorry, a Bitcoin anime character. But <laughs> yeah, it was <laughs> so something like, some "Do more. you want to buy Bitcoin?" No, oh, that's cool. But yeah, broadly speaking, I think what's been so fascinating about the torch—I mean, you know, Jack getting involved—just it went viral, it blew up, and it's one of those truly internet things. It's kind of like at first you don't even fully really understand what's going on, and then you're like, "Oh wow, okay, people are just sending each other money instantly on the internet," you know, across 37 countries. One of the really cool facts that some people have posted is, you know, if this had been with the traditional system internationally, it would have taken months and the fees would have probably would have been, you know, exceeded the amount sent. And, um, you know, this is part of what, you know, Bitcoin and Lightning really make possible to make this global. So it's just it's one of those Internet things where you're just like, OK, this is awesome. It's random and we love it. Yeah, exactly. And I think the other component is just that normally to send money it's, you, you have to go through all these different parties. But in this case, it's literally the Lightning invoice that you would paste. So I think that's another example of how Lightning Network is uniquely suited to doing this kind of thing. And for us, I think 
the torch served as well as a kind of demonstration and, and even a stress test, if you will, of the network. One of the components of Lightning um, is that you need receiving capacity to get funds in. So for people to be able to ensure that they could send and receive effectively, and this is something that we're very acutely aware of and in terms of the Lightning Labs team working on, Alex Bosworth has been doing great work there as well. Um, it showed that actually people can send and receive and it is going to work. And, and that was, I think, um, really exciting for us to see. Excellent. All right. So let's now turn to a little bit more discussion on Square and the Cash app. So Jack, you gave us a little bit of a breakdown on how the Cash app came to include Bitcoin. I think another theme of the Cash app is just around financial empowerment and it's very easy onboarding for a Bitcoin user. Can you tell us a little bit more on that? Yeah, we, um, so we, we started um, the, the Cash app about um, five years ago. Um, just just a little bit over that, and it, it really just came out of a a desire to um, build something fun that we we could use. Uh, we wanted sending and receiving money to be as simple as uh, communicating that. So with the way we started it was actually through email. So you could uh, create a new email. I I might um, put Elizabeth's address uh, in the two line. I cc um, cash at square dot com. And in the subject line, I could put here's $5. And just by doing that, it would send the money across, uh, assuming all the email addresses are linked and whatnot. So that was the original idea. We moved to an app not too long after that. And that purity has has remained. And I think you see it in, in the design of the app um, where it just starts right away with a, a keypad. We're, we're just trying to simplify and also um, to to amplify something Elizabeth said, try to make it a little bit more fun, uh, a little bit more approachable, um, and not not make money feel like such a, a burden, but make it feel um, something that, that that could be exciting and and could be something that you uh, you want to engage with rather than you know dread. So since the since the launch of the app, uh, we um, have been looking at you know just patterns of what people are doing with that. And it led us to enabling people to store money uh, with the app as well, which led us to um, issuing a card uh, that they could spend that money with. Uh, and it's on the Visa network, so it can it's accepted everywhere Visa is accepted and online, offline. It works at any ATM, so you can actually get physical paper money out as well, right from right from the Cash App and. We put an ABA number on top of it so you can direct deposit your paycheck into it. And uh, and Bitcoin felt like it, it didn't necessarily feel natural, but it felt like a really cool cultural um, experiment and something that our our customers would appreciate. And uh, it, it it turns out like you know we were we were right about that. We tried to maintain that simple design ethos around buying and selling we we took a strong point of view that we would uh, we would focus on buying and selling first we we also made sure that um, as I alluded to earlier that we weren't just putting something out there and hoping for the best that we we're but we were trying to help educate people so um, our team created this amazing um almost like a children's book that kind of walks through uh, what Bitcoin is it's called my first Bitcoin and um, where it came from what's being used for you know a little bit in terms of where it might go and we, you know, we we also took on some principles like, you know, to buy Bitcoin within cash, you you um, you have to you have to you have to buy them with money you have. So we're not going to allow a purchase through a credit card. So how how do we enable more uh, financial health around it? We have a lot of disclosures around, you know, just the potential risks involved. So we we really focus on our our role as um, educator as well. And, uh, you know, I think we have a, a pretty compelling experience that people who would not necessarily be able to get to Bitcoin in the past can now get to with just one, one tap um, and they can plug right into that 24-7 network and, and see it living and breathing. Um, so we do, you know, we do intend to continue to expand it and, um, and do so in a way that feels simple, that feels approachable. and um, and ultimately, what cash comes down to is just accessible. How do we how do we increase the amount of people that can participate in the economy more broadly? And um, 
cash has gone a really far away in that. Like we, we, we see people who have never had a bank account um, start with cash um, and use it to obviously, you know, store their money, you know, get the, get the cash card, personalize it and then, um, and spend it wherever they are. And certainly like, you know, people can buy Bitcoin and then sell the Bitcoin and that goes into the square account, which they can, their, their cash account, which they can then use to, uh, to, to spend via their Visa card. So I think it's a pretty compelling experience, but, but there's a lot more we can, we can do um, to get at some of the ideas that uh, Elizabeth was talking about in terms of making it more transactional, making it more everyday, going back to that idea of making it simple enough that I could justify using it to buy a, buy a cup of coffee in the morning. Fantastic. And I love that the, the app has been quite successful from my understanding. It's hit number one in the app store. It's, it's enabling all sorts of ways that really you're connecting Bitcoin with the existing financial rails. So that's also a great theme. And in some sense, it's almost challenging traditional retail banking. Yeah, it's, um, it's definitely a consideration when, when you're thinking about, you know, participating in, in the financial system and, and, uh, and specifically going to a bank. So, um, you know, I, I think generally we, at, at, at Square, we, we've generally just increased the aperture of who can participate. You know, we, we still use uh, a lot of the financial system and uh, we have, you know, we have no intention to uh, replace parts of it, but it, it does, um, it does really speak to uh, enabling more and more people to just, you know, participate in a very simple and, and healthy way. And, uh, and, and that's really our guiding line is how, how can we make something that feels very simple, straightforward, feels fast and, and also cool. And I think that's the other awesome thing that we're really proud of with the Cash App is it's, it's become, you know, this cultural thing as well. And, um, you know, it has, uh, it has a lot of um, influence in terms of, uh, you know, just where it's seen. We see a lot of musicians uh, take to it and mention it in their, in their songs. And it, it feels that it has become somewhat of a, a, a cultural aspect and, and maybe helping to drive some, some culture as well as, as we think about things like Cash App Friday, uh, which is a... Um, which is a trend on Instagram and Twitter that um, people are, um, you know, uh, giving other people money just because it's Friday and just because they can. I, I think it's uh, it's cool, you know, as as Elizabeth talked about earlier, when you can you can work on technologies that that people are uh, making movements out of, and we're we're seeing some some elements of that within within the cash app. And Jack, people on the Lightning Labs team, they absolutely love the the boosts that they get, and they also I think the community in Bitcoin generally also really loves to be able to customize the card. I think that's something that's so simple. And yet, you know, people just go crazy over it in both cases. Yeah, the, the majority of the financial industry doesn't really enable much personalization. It, it doesn't enable a lot of, it doesn't reflect a lot of humanity. So um, the team's done an amazing job in terms of making sure that as we build something, it uh, is reflective of humanity. It allows for a lot of customization personalization and uh, all that all that drives towards you know just building a sense of ownership uh, it's not just this one company that is building this this app and service but it's um, it's uh, you know the individuals that really uh, feel like they 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 own part of it and, and own some of the direction of it which is uh, which is really cool fascinating and so there have been a few ideas thrown around in terms of possible new features, one of which was this idea of enabling people to auto-buy Bitcoin with the savings that they get from the Cash App. Do you have any thoughts on that, Jack? Yeah, we've, um, we, we've definitely heard that ask, and uh, I, I, think there's, I think there's something there. Um, we haven't, we haven't um, explored it too much just yet, but we, uh, we, we do hear the call, and, and we, think, um, we think it would be pretty compelling. A lot of, uh, you know, from, from my point of view, anything that we can do to help Bitcoin be more, uh, more, more seen as a, as a currency use case and a transactional use case, that's where we should be prioritizing right now um, and, uh, and exploring and experimenting. Um, so we're, you know, right now we're, we're thinking more in that dimension uh, and how we might further that than, than what we currently have today. Because we, we have a good step today in, in the buy and sell. Um, paired with the card because it it gives people a little bit of pause. Like um, I'm not just spending 
from my Bitcoin account, but um, I'm actually deliberately converting it to US dollar. Um, and in doing so, I realize that, you know, this US dollar now is is the amount I have rather than spend it off, spend a Bitcoin off the card um, and and kind of kind of see the fluctuation day by day. So it it's just one of those um, psychological things that I think are important in the moment. Um, but as we get to better answers, that becomes less and less, less and less of a of a need. Fascinating. And also, what about ideas such as Lightning within the Cash App? Do you have any ideas there? Yeah, I mean, we've we've been exploring with Elizabeth and the and the Lightning team more around Lightning broadly. We we have this massive seller network of small and medium and large businesses, and you know, back to that back to the original Hack Week idea. Like, we would love to make it as um, fast and efficient and transactional as, as possible. And, uh, you know, that, that includes like looking at our, our seller base and our, our register. And, you know, it's not a, it's not a if it's, it's more of a when, and like, how do we, how do we make sure that we're getting the speed that we need um, and the efficiency? Um, a lot of what we've worked on on the seller side is making transactions as, as fast as possible. And, you know, we uh, in the United States, not not too long ago, but um, three years ago, we we started seeing more NFC adoption, more of the contactless payment adoption. Um, this is something that we've been trying to drive uh, as quickly as possible because, you know, uh, the U.S. was um, also pushed into chip cards, uh, which can be rather slow. Um, so contactless is really really fast. Um, but given that there's not a lot of adoption on the consumer side yet, um, we wanted to make sure that. If we have to deal with chip cards, we're going to make it as fast as possible. So, you know, we started with being able to read these chip cards in 12 seconds. We whittled it down eight seconds, five seconds, and I think we're below three seconds right now um, on the chip card. So I think it's one of the fastest chip card readers out there. And um, the reason we're so obsessed with this is because that that speed really, really matters. Like when, when you're at a coffee store that's high volume, if you're waiting around for 12 seconds uh, to complete a transaction, that really impacts your your queue and your ability to, to make more sales. And it might even cause you to lose sales because people just get frustrated with the line times and, and go somewhere else or forget or, or just get frustrated and just decide they don't need a, a coffee right now. So um, for from a seller perspective, from a merchant perspective, the, the speed is critical. Um, and, and that's something that we, we really need to get right and obsess over. And similarly with Lightning, I would say, you know, people love to post, say, videos of when they bought something with Lightning. And I think just the visual where you see somebody hit send and then your eye can't even really track between the send and the receive has been really exciting to see. Uh, the goal really being to enable, you know, this instant, near instant, definitely competing with the chip card um, and, and being faster in that transaction time. So I think in the Bitcoin world, you know, people were used to, okay, you had on average 10 minute uh, confirmation times or blocks. And so to, to just visually see that and to see it, you know, happen, I think has been really exciting for the community and, and key to why people are using Lightning. Excellent, excellent uh, points there by the both of you. Um, another topic I was interested to discuss is just around this idea of enabling financial empowerment and enabling financial self-sovereignty. And one theme or one saying within Bitcoin, I believe, popularized by Andreas is this idea of not your keys, not your coins. So I suppose what I'm driving towards there is, would there be any potential of managing an individual managing their own keys? Although obviously I understand there's an element of customer education involved, but uh, is, that, is that something that might be on the, on the track? Yeah, I mean, we... Um... The, I mean, the thing we love about the, the Bitcoin community is the openness um, and the amount of control it gives one. So anything that we can do to increase that, we're, we're definitely going to look at. It's just a, a question of, um, uh, you know, one, making sure that we continue to ensure uh, privacy and uh, security um, and also ease of use. So, you know, the more controls we put in front of someone, the more complicated um, it, it could become. So if we can drive a experience that keeps us simple then uh absolutely yeah that's a great point i think we have to appreciate the need for good design and good customer experience yeah so in terms of lightning uh the non-custodial nature has been a, you know a, something that we as a community really care about as well um and especially getting lightning running on mobile 
So uh, today there are quite a few mobile walls out there. In some cases you can only send and not receive, and that's because we don't yet have uh, watchtowers uh, deployed on the network. So if somebody were to go offline for an extended period of time, there could be a risk of the funds being compromised. Of course, we very much value security. Um, so we at Lightning Labs have been working on Neutrino, which is like client technology, um, where you know we can't expect somebody to download the 200 gigabytes of the Bitcoin blockchain on a phone, um, so they instead could download 10 or 20 megs, which is the normal size of data for an app, and then be able to hold their own keys and have their own custody. So that's something that, you know, I think in the Lightning community and for our team is a major priority. At the same time, there really is always going to be this trade-off between uh, usability and security, right? Just a, a simple username and password with a custodial service is, is often going to be easier to use than, okay, back up these 24 words, make sure you have them in a safe place, you know, and and the nature of it. So our goal, and I know it's going to take some time to get there, is to make uh, the non-custodial aspect of empowering people to hold their own funds um, as easy as possible. But we know it's not going to happen overnight um, and that it's going to be super easy. And if anything, I think, you know, Square being a US dollar um, to Bitcoin gateway also plays into that very well because people are able to hold dollars there. They're able to convert out to Bitcoin and that they want to hold their own, say, keys on Bitcoin or Lightning, they can do so with their own wallets. Fantastic explanation there as well. All right, so I was hoping to just transition now just to a little bit of discussion around Twitter. So there have been a couple ideas there of Bitcoin and Lightning within Twitter. So one potential idea people have thrown around is this idea of tipping using Lightning just when you like somebody's tweet. Do you have any ideas around potential there, Jack? I think there's, I think there's a lot there. I, I think, um, and it's, it's really compelling and, and something that we want to spend a lot more time on. But um, I mean, we finally have these technologies more broadly at the, with, at the blockchain level that I think can help us address some of the challenges we're facing with Twitter, including, you know, trust and identity and certainly the, you know, providing more economic incentive uh, rather than just what Twitter provides today, which is uh, reach. So it is a, you know, a pretty active conversation within the company and around the company. And we, we want to, we want to, you know, be smart about it and, and make sure that again, we're, we're building something that, that feels really simple and accessible and uh, is is timed uh, in the in the right way, but um, it's definitely something that I I would be excited about and uh, and would love to see. I would say um, you know the Bitcoin and the Lightning community, especially. I mean, Twitter is the place where where we're all interacting, right? And even you know when Jack tweeted about the Lightning Torch, um, you know Jack then had a lot of other tweets about Bitcoin and the industry, and and people just went wild over it. In and of itself, it became a meme this past week. Like I got so many messages, you know, everyone saw it. And I think it, it really is this key medium of communication. So the idea of eventually, you know, I, I also love the the fact that, um, you know, uh, lightning invoices fit in 280 characters. So people <laughs> were saying like, yes, <laughs> Jack retweeted that as well. Like, yeah, there was a secret plan to get lightning invoices in there. But to me, being able to, you know, integrate uh, that would be a dream for us and something that, um, you know, Fingers crossed, we'll, we'll see if it make hap- uh, happen. Excellent. And uh, there's also, I mean, just generally, there could be this idea of paying for things with Bitcoin. So, for example, paying for promoted tweets, and that could be another revenue source for Twitter. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, the, um, just what the technology enables. And, uh, you know, it's, it's something that, you know, we could, we could only dream of at scale in the past, but, you know, now it, it feels a whole lot more accessible and within reach. All right. So let's talk now a little bit more broadly about Lightning Network. As I view it, I think it enables entire new industries or it can reinvigorate old ones. So we can have micropayments for streamers used in gaming and online stores. Elizabeth, do you want to comment a little further on that? Definitely. Yeah. So one of the reasons why I even, you know, wanted to work on Lightning and kind of made this choice that I wanted to start this company around and really build around it was, you know, the way that I saw it right now, you know, on the internet, you can easily send somebody, say, a photo or a video, you know, via a variety of applications. But there was no easy way on the internet to just, just to send value. And I'd been interested in copyright and open source technologies and even the element of privacy and why, you know, were people being surveilled for ads on the internet? Couldn't there be a better way? Uh, so that's what got me excited about Lightning uh, back in the day, 2014, 2015. It wasn't even called Lightning. It's payment channels as a technology. 
back then. Um, so it's really been incredible to see the evolution from, you know, idea to a little bit of code to like working network with, with numbers that are, you know, going up and up. One side point, uh, at the end of last year, somebody came along, we'd warn the community only to put small amounts uh, into Lightning, you know, like tens of dollars. And uh, we have a channel limit in place. You can only have a maximum of 0.167 BTC, about $500 in a channel. But someone came along and decided they were just going to make a lot of channels of the max. So um, added over a million dollars at the time uh, to Lightning. And from our standpoint, we were thinking like, well, we, we've warned people not to, but again, it's Bitcoin. You know, people wouldn't listen. So we've seen this incredible growth as well in the traction, which has really been great to see. And part of that, I believe, is creating this new economy. For example, there are multiple companies now that, have, that are building on L&D that have actually gotten funding. So OpenNode is one. They're doing uh, merchant processing with Bitcoin and Lightning. Um, there's one called SparkSwap. So there are quite a few. BitRefill has uh, done amazing work. I believe today, um, aside from on-chain Bitcoin, Lightning is their number two method of payment and they accept a variety of different cryptocurrencies. And this is all while there isn't even you know, a good mobile wallet, especially a non-custodial one out there yet. So I think, you know, the rise of mobile is going to be key for this year. And we'll just see these economies emerge. If anything, it's going to be things that we just hadn't even thought of today. That's why I think there are so many analogies to the Internet. Um, you know, who would have thought of Wikipedia, uh, you know, years prior, decades prior, you know, an, an encyclopedia that anybody could edit? It sounded insane. I think we'll see something equivalent and similar with Lightning and just this new economy that emerges that's this Lightning native economy. Excellent articulation there, Elizabeth. Also, I think another thing that might change in the future with the internet and with Bitcoin and Lightning is we might see slightly less of an advertising model, but more of a pay-for-service model. Do you have any thoughts on that? So one of the things that got me really excited about uh, Lightning as a technology, even before it was called Lightning, uh, back in the day, you know, payment channels on Bitcoin, was this idea that, you know, why, did we, why do we need to, on the internet, uh, necessarily give up privacy in order to use certain services? And why should we be tracked and surveilled? Even in the past, there's been widespread acknowledgement of a lot of the problems with the model of the internet that we built out. And I was interested in areas along the lines of copyright and privacy, and those all played into this interest. Um, and I understood that, you know, Bitcoin on-chain uh, was not going to be able to handle, say, you know, billion people's transactions and, you know, building out this layered architecture of which, you know, Lightning is a key part was going to really make that possible. So right now in the Lightning community, we're actually seeing um, services emerge. For example, um, there's yalls.org by Alex Bosworth, um, where you can pay to read articles. Um, there was just a, a Lightning powered SoundCloud. Um, you know, SoundCloud is a great website. I love it. I listen to it all the time. It would be amazing if you could integrate, say, Lightning payments to pay, you know, musicians, artists, and whatnot. So I do see that there is the possibility, you know, you can now send, so there's a great browser plugin called Lightning Jewel that integrates the natively into um, web applications. So the, you know, Nick Zabo has great writing on micropayments and how the, the mental overhead of micropayments, you know, if you have to think every time you pay, doesn't really work. But if you can automate that, and if you can just make it seamless so that the user, you know, could just pay a certain amount every time they listen to a song or read an article, um, there's something potentially really powerful there. Uh, so with the browser plugin and native integration into websites, um, I think we really are at the start of what could be a means to change the model of monetization of a large part of the web. Jack, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, um, you know, all these all these technologies offer new alternatives. I, I think the, the, the model um, of the internet has evolved based on the technologies that existed and uh enhance has extremely complicated and nuanced and um unapproachable methods and especially like more of the the direct effortless uh payments that that elizabeth speaks to so as as those open up we can easily imagine entirely new models um that you know we we're alluding to earlier that um either are additive to current models or, or replacements for so i i approach this with like look as as someone building a business, like, you know, we, we need to build resilience. I think in the past, it, it has been a lack of really strong, adopt, well-adopted and, and principled technology. And a lot changes with, uh, with blockchain and, and, uh, and Bitcoin. So it, it certainly opens up a lot more creativity and 
and takes a bunch of excuses off the table not to uh, not to start experimenting. Excellent. Now, one other topic I'd love to touch on is just this idea of companies that are building a product on Bitcoin and they're leveraging its security and network. It's often mutually beneficial to contribute to Bitcoin through open source development contributions or perhaps educational contributions. So, Jack, do you see any opportunities there for Square or potentially for Twitter? Both. I, I think, you know, the, as I said earlier, the beauty of the Bitcoin community is its openness. And um, like we, uh, we, we can't be entities that just take. We have to contribute and push and, and, and really let go over this concept of um, uh, ownership over a particular protocol or uh, a way of doing things um, because, you know, contributing to such will, will make us better, but also, you know, everyone uh, to participate more fully. So it, it's equivalent to everything that we benefit from open source. Um, we, you know, at the same time, we need to make sure that when we commit to, releasing stuff or, or commit to the community that we can actually back it up over the long term. We're not just going to put something out there and hope for the best in terms of other people maintaining it, but that we're good stewards of our work as well, um, especially the work that we that we share more broadly. So so that would be the bar that we'd look at in terms of participation there. But um, from, a, from a principle standpoint, um, we should be um, contributing to the openness and expanding the openness of the Bitcoin community and, and not um, not just seeing it as a as a uh, something that we can take for or take from or even worse a, a vendor. Fantastic answers. All right. So look, I think we're getting towards the end of our time. I'd love to get some closing remarks from both of you. Perhaps thoughts on whether we are seeing an inflection point for Bitcoin and Lightning adoption in the coming years. Let's go with you, Elizabeth. Sure. So within the Bitcoin community and even broadly within the cryptocurrency world, I think there's this idea that, you know, Bitcoin moves slowly. But in fact, you know, Lightning is just moving so quickly. I can't keep up. Uh, A month or so ago, some community members were tweeting, you know, Lightning is moving too fast. Stop, guys. I I just can't. I don't know what's happening. Um, So it's really, you know, having seen something that you've been working on, you know, for so long, finally come to life and come to fruition has has really just been eye-opening for us. And, you know, I think the design philosophy embedded within Bitcoin, um, you know, it's not move fast and break things. It's, you know, move cautiously and build a secure base layer and then build the layers on top of that. And Lightning is one of them. So we can move quickly on the Lightning layer and ensure the, the embedded security in the Bitcoin layer. And I think that's really key to the philosophy within the community. And the way that I see it, you know, it's absolutely the early days. You know, it is many people are using Lightning nodes or the command line still. And we're, we're really working on building out the user experience. We want to make sending on Lightning easy. We want to make it fun. We want to make it a meme. Um, and we just need to take the steps to get there. So, you know, getting the community involved, having people build on top of this, working with the real users and solving the real problems, I think is all what's going to get us there. But it's not, you know, it hasn't happened overnight and it's not going to happen overnight. This is the evolution in a way of the early days of the internet and Lightning will take a similar trajectory. But I will say if anything, you know, the next year or two is anything like uh, the past one, there's a very bright future ahead of us. And I can't wait to see what people build and how this is really going to improve people's lives. Fantastic. And Jack, do you have any thoughts to add there? I agree with Elizabeth. I, I don't, it doesn't feel like there's just going to be one inflection point. I, I, this is a technology that is amazingly um, constantly evolving and doing so in what feels like a, a rapid pace, but it is quite deliberate. And I, I, I just have so much respect for that. Um, like it, it is, it is something that is foundational, not not just to the internet, but also to society more more broadly. And uh, you know, breaks down so many barriers and boundaries around the world. So we have to be really deliberate in our thinking, and and the the thing that I'm you know trying to figure out for my, myself in terms of running a business is like how do we how do we continue to expand that openness? How do we continue to be good citizens within this community and um, really really push uh, the envelope in terms of how we're 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 being good stewards, but also good implementers and helping this this community make it happen uh, without inflecting uh, a bunch of the, the baggage that comes with uh, a corporation. And I, I think there's a lot of topics there that are, are nuanced and, and complicated, 
um, but really important for us to to figure out because we, we don't want the the weight of a corporation or or you know just the boundaries of of corporations and corporate entities to to really inflect any any sort of color on this on this community we we want this community to be first and foremost focused on building something that is foundational for all humanity and to figure out how to how to be good partners in that and um and to do so in a in a way that has a uh, comes at it with pure, purity and honesty and directness uh is a uh, is something that I'm I'm personally trying to figure out and and uh open to ideas around and I will say, you know, we're super lucky to have both of you in this community. And I really believe this is community. People are so passionate. People are so excited. And it, it has that feeling. I think, Jack, I've heard you mention this before, of these early internet days where the, there really is that passion. And that's, I think, part of what's going to really make this whole thing work. Excellent. I love the comments there around being foundational to the internet and potentially to society. So look, Jack and Elizabeth, this has been a fantastic discussion that I have thoroughly enjoyed. Thank you both for coming on the show. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Jack Dorsey and Elizabeth Stark. And if you did, make sure you share it out widely so that other people can also come to understand why Bitcoin may become the native currency of the internet. It's an exciting time for Bitcoin and the Lightning Network, which may become foundational to the internet and society. Make sure you stay well informed by subscribing to my podcast by searching Stefan Levera Podcast on major podcast platforms, Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Spotify, etc. I've interviewed many of Bitcoin's brightest, so if you haven't already, I recommend taking a look at my back catalogue. Also, follow me on Twitter. My handle is at Stefan Levera. That's S-T-E-P-H-A-N-L-I-V-E-R-A. And you can find the show notes on my website, stefanlevera.com. That's it from me. Thanks for listening, and I'll speak to you soon.